This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. So if you start with the feeling, if you can get comfortable with the feeling and say, I really get anxious when you make a big purchase that person's going to want to soothe your pain. The person's not going to want to not buy a boat because you've declared it's wrong. It's because there's nothing wrong with it. But they're going to want to help you if you talk about your pain because they love you. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about what to do when married couples have different views on money. It can be difficult when there are opposing views on our finances. It can cause fights, arguments, and in some cases, divorce. My guest today has had a lot of of experience helping couples to deal with this very issue. Dr. Laura Dabney is our guest today. She is a certified psychiatrist based in Virginia, and she prides herself in helping her patients change their lives for the better. Her writing and advice has been featured in major media outlets like NBC, Bustle, and Yahoo Lifestyle, as well as many other popular radio shows. One of Dr. Dabney's core focus areas is with marriage and relationship guidance, and us married folks could all use a little bit of help with that. Am I right? (laughs) Welcome to the show, Dr. Dabney. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Dr. Dabney, why is money such a hot topic when it comes to marriage? Well, money tends to be... You know, people come to me always talking about doing things, complaining about your spouse or somebody else is doing something, doing something. But we don't often talk about the feeling behind money. With a lot of books and a lot of topics are on how we spend money, what to do with money, how to invest money. But no one talks about the feeling behind money, and that's where people get tripped up. Mm, absolutely. Well, it makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the core conflicts that you see when it comes to money and marriage based on your experience? Well, there are several, but um, the top ones tend to be living a separate life, you know, having separate accounts and therefore not acting as a team. So people just go into their marriage or into their lives and just, I have my account and you have your account and the two will never meet. Uh, So that's one big problem I see where they're not acting like a team. And then, or there's a disagreement on the lifestyle. Again, they haven't sort of talked about what lifestyle they expect. So one starts living one lifestyle or expects one lifestyle. The other one expects something else. So therefore they're not compromising. Uh, Financial unfaithfulness. I don't know if you've heard of that term, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) spending or saving, you know, secretly. And then the other one finds out. And of course that erodes trust. And that's a problem. Hmm. So I understand our upbringing and our childhood play into our relationship with money. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because that's huge. Um, I, I have to start with saying people get kind of upset with me, like you're blaming the parents, but it's not about blaming the parents. It's about looking at the foundation. Where did this problem come from? You, you can't solve a problem unless you know where it comes from. So that's where I'm coming from when I talk about the parents' uh, attitude towards money. So for instance, if your parents... If kids see parents fighting about money a lot or even feeling that stress in the household a lot, kids typically and understandably can't label 
parents is having a problem with money because it's they depend on their parents for survival, literally. So they, it's too overwhelming to say, oh, my parents have a problem. So they'll label something else as the problem, like money. So they'll say money, they'll, they'll go into their adulthood, money is a problem or talking about money is going to cause a problem. They're not realizing their parents didn't handle the talk about money well. So if, if we're constructing these views at a, you know, at a really early age based on that experience, and again, it's not the parent's fault, it's just the situation they're in, right. and our spouse has a completely different view of, of, as ours, yes. <laughs> how, do we, how do we remedy that situation? But that's there's hence your, there's hence your job, right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's my whole job in a nutshell, right there. So I have the wonderful and really, really, I love my job, the enjoyable task of introducing people to their feelings, this whole other side of themselves. It, it's with money. It's with um, disciplines. Another one where this comes up a lot where they, again, they're so focused when they come in to see me on action and doing and I have to say, I had to literally stop and say, so what's the feeling when your husband dumped X amount of money on a boat and didn't tell you? And they, ha- they can't do it. They actually cannot. They cannot come up with that word. And I actually, I've had times where I've had to give them words, angry, happy, joyful, sad, and then they have to pick one. So I have to, I just always start um, any kind of marriage money problems, I start with getting them to understand the feeling behind it and then being able to be comfortable with the feelings behind it. What's the history of that feeling behind it? Back to the parent thing and the patterns in their lives. And then they're able to talk about it. So then they're able to say, okay, I was angry that you spent the money on the boat. What's going on? We need to talk. Oh, okay. We need to talk about it. I didn't realize that would bother you, you know, But that takes a lot of, it takes a whole, it's a whole world. It's it's an unknown world to a lot of people. They had the intellectual side, but you have a feeling side. And those two, if you can't go back and forth between those easily, you're going to have problems. And I hear what you're saying with the... Uh, you know, the first reaction to want to do some, do some action, you know, like, hey, well, what can I do to fix this? Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I, that's the kind of guy I am. I'm all about action. I want to fix things. I want to, mm-hmm. what, what's the problem? How, how can I just make the solution happen and, and fix it right away? So, you know, it sounds like communication is a big part of that type of action that people can do. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about a, a bit of a proactivity or or uh, activity that could happen before maybe somebody goes and buys that boat that could uh, that could help with the situation? Yeah, you talk about you know, sorry, right? There's people who want to take action, and there's people who want to hide. Mm. So, and and those two people tend to find each other a lot. Interestingly, <laughs> <laughs> so so, uh, so in, in action, I usually have people um, start with because they're typically so afraid of bringing up the feeling to the spouse because they've labeled that as the problem, right? Like talking about money is bad or is going to drive somebody away. Talking about my anger, they often have that 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 is going to drive somebody away. Uh, when that's not the case at all, it's going to make things better. But so I typically have people write or talk to somebody else about it. Sometimes people, it's easier for them to talk about their feelings or thoughts on something that are scary with somebody else or when writing or in private so they can practice or get used to comfortable with it themselves and then approach it. And that's where I come in a lot of times too. Sometimes people are aware of their feelings and aren't afraid to uh, admit it to themselves. That always starts with being able to, it always comes down to they're afraid in their own heads to sit with it. But if they can get to that step, then sometimes they're afraid to communicate it. 
So sometimes I just, they somehow feel more comfortable having a third party, neutral party in the room to talk about it. So just finding a way to get comfortable with it in your own head is the first step. You mentioned people have this sort of feeling around money that uh, conversations around it are are bad, you know, and that it's something that's just been in our society for a while. Why is that? I'm telling you, I'm old enough to remember. I was actually an economics and psychology double major in school. And in the way back when the stock market and all that was even first introduced, um, on Wall Street and everywhere, finances did not involve emotions. They actually believed, and I remember this, it's all spreadsheets and numbers, there's no emotions involved. Mm. So it's not only a... uh, it's not only a family dynamic that contributes to this. There's, we have a history in our own lives, and only in the past 25 years has this become a hot topic of psychology, of course, <laughs> in finance. So I think there's a long history of us trying to believe, wishing maybe, hoping that we could just look at the numbers and look at the spreadsheets and make a logical decision. But that doesn't happen in anything. Well, especially when you bring marriage into it. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's talk about some of those, um, you know, big disagreements on like a major purchase. You talked about a boat. How about a car or a house? What if you've got an opposing view on one side about a big purchase and the other one is saying, no, 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 I've got to get this. What are some ways that couples can resolve this conflict? We have to remember that, uh, A, that the emotions behind it, that's got to be brought up. So in other words, if you're... A lot of couples start trying to change the other person or try to get the other person to admit they're right or wrong. And that's where it goes off course. So if you can say to so whoever can either say, let's say the let's say the person, you know, bought a boat and then and said, Hey honey, I bought a boat. And the person that honey has to be able to say, mm-hmm. listen, when you make a big purchase like that, I get super scared. If you stay with what you're feeling, the the template I give people is I feel X when you do Y. I get really anxious. I get really whatever the feeling word is when you do Y, when you do, when you buy a boat or you buy, make a big purchase without me. That makes it so much easier for the other person to understand or or to relate to. Uh, The big mistake people make is say you shouldn't buy a boat. That's stupid to buy a boat. You're crazy. You know, they start attacking the person. And of course, that person's not going to have any buy in if they're being attacked. They just get defensive. They start trying to prove that they're right. And the other, well, you never want to do anything impulsive. You're too safe. You're no fun. You know, they start attacking each other. So if you start with the feeling, if you can get comfortable with the feeling and say, I really get anxious when you make a big purchase, that person's going to want to soothe your pain. The person's not going to want to not buy a boat because you've declared it's wrong. It's because there's nothing wrong with it. But they're going to want to help you if you talk about your pain because they love you. So they're going to want that's going to get them you more buy in. Mm. And then if you're on the receiving end of that, you have to be respectful of and uh, appreciate the fact that they're telling you a pain, and then don't get into either the action or passive mode, but to say I I didn't know that I to then start talking about my feeling is. If I have to tell you about buying a boat, I feel like I'm being controlled and that makes me angry. So they have to do the same thing. I get, I feel like I'm getting permission or feel like a kid, feel like you're demeaning. It's demeaning to me when you, when I have to tell you something in advance. So ideally both feelings just stay on, I, I would say stay up on the table. And then you, then together you look at it. Okay. You, uh, 
feel it's you get angry because it feels demeaning. You get anxious because you feel like you've lost control. What are we going to do? How are we going to put these two things together? How are we going to compromise these two things? When you describe it like that, it just makes so much sense. But, oh, then, good. <laughs> but then I think about the the young parents that are listening right now that say, uh-huh. you know what, that sounds great. As as the as my husband comes in and tells me he bought this boat, my three year old's hanging on my leg, and I got to run to work. Like, <laughs> yes. What, well, what what are some what are some ways that parents can make time? I, these important conversations are are super important. Obviously, what are what are ways parents can make time to to have these types of conversations? Well, exactly. So you talk a lot about marriage being an investment. Well, you, you, you know, that's where you have to say, and this is, I, this is a big topic. We talk a lot about people. If you're afraid of your emotions, you're afraid of these topics coming up, un- totally unconsciously, young parents will find something to get in the way of, oh, I'm, I'm so busy. I've got this kid. I've got this thing. I've got, they've got gymnastics. They've got the piano lessons. <laughs> they do that as a way to avoid having these discussions. So just like anything else, I recommend you have to, you have to put a time on the calendar for just you two to have that talk. And these talks tend to come when you're out, when someone else is attending to you and someone else is waiting on you. Dinners are perfect for this. So there's no distraction. He won't let something distract you because they're all difficult topics and there's a lot of emotions involved. And it's natural we want to avoid avoid that. But the the couples who do best with this are the ones who actually have, it's not just date night, but it's actually on their calendar and it's, they, they move mountains to keep that on their calendar, to keep that investment top of mind. Yeah. Do you, do you think outside of, you know, having these, uh, impromptu, uh, conversations about major purchases, do you think it's important to have a scheduled, uh, monthly or weekly get together just on the calendar all the time? Yes. The, this is a truism in psychology. Ready? <laughs> All emotions need to be aired out to, to dissipate, to go away. It doesn't necessarily have to be with that person, but they have to be brought up to the conscious and aired out. Otherwise, they sit around like a big boulder that you're carrying around forever, and they, and they seep out in really bad ways or blow up. Um, that's why Vietnam vets, I, I treat um, a lot of uh, veterans and Vietnam vets come in here like, why am I still carrying this around? Why am I still upset about this? It's because you never grieved it. You didn't have a chance to. You had to be trying to save your life over there in Vietnam. And then society told you you were, were awful when you came back, so you couldn't say anything. You've buried it all. It's time. It doesn't go away. So these date nights or whatever you want to call them on the calendar is a way for any emotion that's been sitting down there to come up. It's a safe, quiet undisturbed time for something to come up that needs to come up. Let's talk about how technology can get in the way of this. Obviously, everybody's got a supercomputer in their pocket right now. And, you know, there's lots of things to look at, man. There's games, there's videos, there's, oh, man. So how has technology played into, I guess, your profession when it comes to marriage communication? Well, I I am of the school where you know you have to take the uh, nothing's all black or white, and this whole technology is going to be the end of us or end of relationships or you know when kids are never going to be able to communicate or have a relationship because they're always in their phones. Not exactly. So actually, you can use your phones on date night as a way to take down a note or look something up. I've seen couples get on the same side in a booth. Oh, let's look up places to go on our next, you know, our next date or our next trip. Or 
So technology can be used uh, effectively. It's just a, it's it's all about a matter of attitude. It's just like avoiding date nights. Sometimes you'll put wedges between you. It doesn't have to be technology. People put all kinds of wedges between themselves so they don't have to have these difficult discussions. So you have to, the point is back to what we were talking about earlier is that you have to come up with some kind of a compromise. You may have a techie in your house who really is comfortable having that phone out and you may have somebody who is not comfortable with it all. But there again, you have to have that talk of, I feel comfortable with technology. I don't. What are we going to do? Okay, let's have Part of the time where we're looking up something together, and the other time we put the technology away. Some kind of compromise. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Now let's jump back into the show. sense. So, so there are some folks that listen to the show that aren't married and maybe they're in a serious relationship and maybe they're on their way, you know, uh, what questions should they ask their partner before heading down that aisle before saying I do? I love that because I I always like to say dating is a little bit of a job. You want to have fun, but it's also a job. You have to 
get these things understood before you go any further. So uh, it, it it's it's yes, you have to ask the questions, certain questions, but it's the answers you want to hear. A lot of example I give a lot of time is you want to know how empathic they are to you. You want to know how safe they are, how trustworthy they are. You want to know how insightful they are. These are the main ingredients for someone who's going to be a good partner. So if let's say, let's say your partner's late a couple times for a, your dates and it's annoying to you, the key part is to say, so some people might say, oh, it's a red flag. They're late all the time. No, that's not the red flag. The red flag comes when you say to them, hey, by the way, it's a little annoying that you're late for our dates all the time. What's, what's going on? If they say something along the lines of, well, I'm not, I'm not late. You, you keep changing the time or you, you picked a place that was way out of line and I, it wasn't my fault. Okay. Red, that's a red flag. The response is a red flag. If they say to you, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I, it's a habit I've had for a long time. I've been trying to kick it. I know it's annoying to you and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to change. Then it's not a red flag. That's someone you want in your life. So it's their response. You want to see, you want to be able to tell them your emotion about something and then see how they respond. What about with regard to money? Uh, is there anything uh-huh. that are red flags that we should be avoiding? Like, for example, uh, my partner has $100,000 in student loan debt. Should I write them off from the beginning because they, because they, they, yeah. they have student loan debt? I mean, what, what do you think? Exactly. Same thing. Right. So you want, I always say you, you, there's no red flag until you've tested it. So if that's a concern to you, that's exactly what you should. I'm really anxious about this idea that you have all the student loan debt and we're going, we're talking about getting together for, you know, either long-term commitment, committed relationship, and then see what they say. If they say, you know, God, you're a worry ward, or, you know, it's not, what, what is your problem? Well, that's obviously a red flag. Some people will not look at that as a red flag. That's what's really scary. It's if they say, yes, I know it's a concern to me too, um, I would really love to talk to you about how we can work this out between us. And it's a real, you know, it's a real important topic for me as well. Well, then go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. So there are, there are also some couples listening that are probably, you know, maybe in a tough situation where they said, man, we've, we've been having these money fights for so long and I have been trying some of these things where I'm sharing my feelings and it's just not coming across. Some of these things end in divorce. And, and what are the reasons why it, it just can't work anymore in a relationship? Well, there are some people who do start, I would say, in, in a healthy, emotionally healthy way by saying, oh, you know, this really makes me anxious when you go out and buy things and don't tell me or what have you. And then the per- partner doesn't change. Then it involves a change in tactic. You either have to up the aggression, something along the lines of you know, sitting him down, look, I have told you this is a problem and you continue to do it. This is threatening my trust in you and our relationship. So you may have to up the aggression, which some people get uncomfortable with. Sometimes they're like, well, I told them once and they didn't listen, so forget it. But you have to be comfortable upping the aggression or you have to be able to put up boundaries. Um, Look, I'm going to separate our finances because you have not listened to me about how anxious this makes me and it's hurting our relationship. So I need to separate our finances right now. So, that type of move it can be very hard to do without help, and that's why I always say you can get couples counseling without the couple. Making that move or making taking that next step of upping the aggression or putting up a boundary is difficult for you or if you've not done it, then that's where you really need to go and get some couples counseling with or without your spouse. So I know that that's, that's your profession and that's what you do. So how would that process go? Somebody would call 
a marriage therapist and say, hey, I want to get some help with the situation I'm in, but my wife is unwilling to come or my husband is unwilling to come. Can I come talk to you about that? And that's that's typical. Oh, I get that all the time. And and it's kind of sad because it's, my first run is, well, come in anyway. Come. Uh, I do give a help them because, okay, so relationship problems are um, patterns of behavior that are destructive. So you alone can change the pattern. You know, it, it doesn't have to be together to change. But if you change the pattern, then obviously the patterns change. And then they're going to do something in response to that. Then you, then that person comes in and says, well, I tried this and they did that. Okay, well, that's better or that's worse. So we keep changing, helping that one person change the pattern until it's a healthier pattern. But typically, I will say, uh, you you come in, you make the appointment, let's make an appointment, you come in, and what you say to your significant other is, I've made an appointment for marriage counseling at this time and date. I hope you will join me. If you don't, that's fine, but I want you to know in advance we will be talking about you. Right, because it's it's necessary for my health, right? Right, for our for our for our, for our health, for our yeah. relationship health. Yeah, and then uh, I've never I've never had a case where someone hasn't come in at some point. They may not come in for the first or the second, but when the person goes back and makes a change, <laughs> and they're like, "What's going on?" Then they get more curious, and then they that they, they've always come in at some point. Yeah, I think there there's a there's an interesting. Um, Opportunity for people. Some, sometimes they'll they'll look at this as a money problem first, instead of a right. marriage problem, and then maybe they'll seek out books, or they'll seek out. Uh, I'm sorry, personal finance books, or you know, or courses like uh, the popular one is the Financial Peace University, uh, the Dave Ramsey course, where people will go and they'll try to you know work on these things together. But I think a missing piece of that is that marriage discussion first, because a lot of those things aren't discussed in a personal finance book. A lot of those things aren't discussed in a, a money class. And uh, it seems to be uh, sort of flipped around. Have you had people try to go the money route first instead of the marriage route and then having difficulty with that? Always. <laughs> they always go to the, how do I invest better? How do I get more comfortable with money? All the books, the classes, the courses. and Exactly. That's why self-help books don't help because it's not personalized enough. Um, so definitely they go that route. And it's, um, again, it's back to that we tend to, as a society, value action or things, or we get very focused on um, getting more things or going after things or talking about things. So yes, it's getting to the feeling behind it and the relational piece behind it that's so important and is really the only way to get through it. Do you think a core tenant of this is less is more when it comes to marriage and money? Well, it depends. Um, Less is more. I, I don't really, again, back to the whole black and white thing, I don't ascribe to less I mean more talking more emotions more sure. more more transparency is better so it depends what you mean by what's less I guess I'm I'm concerned I'm, I'm more referring to your you know your your consumeristic comment about you know we're we're, we're driving to get more things we're driving to get uh, you know more acquisitions and maybe that's causing more of a riff in our relationship than we oh than we need so I'm all about the more communication I'm all about the <laughs> you know the more transparency together but sometimes I feel like this drive for 
you know, success, quote unquote, because of your car, because of your house often drives couples apart. Do you, do you feel like that's true? I actually don't feel like that's true, but only because back what we're talking about, it's not the things, it's the feeling emotion behind it. So people, there are people who are very comfortable with their emotion behind it and their whole, uh, they're working together on something and they can acquire lots of things and get a lot of joy out of it. That's kind of what uh, that Dunn and Norton book, um, Happy Money, tells you. You can actually spend a lot of money and get a lot of things and be really happy. You can also, you there is a sector that isn't talking and isn't talking about the feeling and isn't working together. And so they're acquiring more and more to fill that void. That definitely is a sector and that definitely doesn't work. But if you have the communication and the openness and the transparency and the comfort, then you can, couples can go on to acquire lots of things and have a very happy life. So it isn't the things again, it's, it's the what's behind the things. I, I love that message uh, from the from this conversation, uh, Dr. Dabney, that it can't just be black and white. There is no specific right or wrong. Uh, it is your personal situation and everybody's situation is different. And sometimes that that needs to be uh, sorted out with a professional in marriage therapy. So uh, Nicole and I, my wife and I, we've been going to marriage therapy for the past year. It has tremendously helped our relationship. We connected mm-hmm. with somebody through a friend here. It's really just opened up the opportunity for us to, like you're saying, share our feelings instead of going forth with our immediate animal reactions to to purchases or, or conversations about money that are a little bit difficult. So I would highly recommend it, everybody. If people did want to you know, dip their toes in the water and practice some things at home. Are there any books that you'd recommend for couples who are who are having trouble communicating right now? Well, I do like the Happy Money book um, that's done in Norton. I actually have had uh, I didn't even know about that, but some patients actually brought that into me. So that's I know people like that. It's very just so um, light. <laughs> it's funny. It's light. It's easy to read. A little bit heavier, but what I really like is uh, Morgan Housel's from Motley Fool. I don't know if okay, you know about his yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone believes it. Most people will be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I love that because he talks exactly what you promote and what I promote is this whole he, – he was talking about the feeling or the uh, psychology behind investing, behind making money decisions. He talks about how that's n- never discussed. It's not discussed enough and hasn't been dealt with enough. So he goes into some – great examples of where uh, of what the emotions are behind certain things and why certain investments fail and why certain investments or certain money decisions don't. And it's all about what we're talking about today. I love it. Dr. Dabney, thank you so much for your time today. This was a great conversation. Where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Well, my website is lauradabney.com. I'm also on Instagram, which is lauradabney.com. And you can always call me at 757-340-8800. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I think this is going to help a lot of couples today. Well, thank you, Andy, for everything you do. It's an important discussion to have, my friends. We're committed to our spouses through the good times and the bad. So let's give it our all, right? Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Dr. Laura Dabney. Number one, your childhood plays a huge role in your thoughts on money. This 
is uh, so spot on. (laughs) If you grew up in a house where money was scarce, do you think that would affect your view on money as an adult? Uh, Yeah. How about growing up in a house where your parents never talked about money? Do you think you'd be open to talking about it a lot? Now think about your spouse, right? What kind of environment did they grow up in? Was it a childhood of abundance, scarcity, divorce? Try to think about your spouse's childhood the next time a money disagreement arises. This perspective could go a long way in resolving things. Number two, sharing your emotions and feelings is healthy. If you bottle up your thoughts and emotions too long, what happens? Explosion! Or worse, internal, mental, and physical damage. I've done this, my friends. It is not pretty. Share your feelings with your spouse, or at least another friend. Being able to confide in someone can be life-saving. Number three, meet with a professional marriage therapist. So Nicole and I have started our marriage therapy about 18 months ago. And we've found it to be extremely beneficial for our relationship. We have a patient, kind, thoughtful therapist, and she's really a coach. She's coaching us to be better communicators. And it's really helpful. It's helped us out a lot. And you don't need to wait for the next explosion or major trouble to start with a marriage therapist. It's like a personal trainer for your marriage. They help your marriage stay in good shape. And if your spouse isn't into going or even, you know, talking about this with you, start without them. Like Dr. Laura Dabney said, your example and proactivity might be all they need to join you. So those are my top three takeaways. Number one, your childhood plays a huge role in your views on money. Number two, sharing your emotions and feelings is healthy. And then number three, meet with a professional therapist to support you in your marriage. Dr. Dabney, thank you so much for the work that you do. I am really inspired by it. You are truly helping couples thrive and making a difference. Thank you. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've got about 200 subscribers there, and I'm looking to hit 1,000 by the end of the summer. It is an audacious goal, but I'm going for it, friends. So go to youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney to subscribe today. They're pretty much video versions of these podcasts, so take advantage of it. And the second thing, subscribe to this show in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, share this episode with a friend who you think would appreciate hearing how to improve their marriage and money communication. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 136. That's 136. And if you are new to the show, first time you're listening, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. It's a great place to start, my friends. That is marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. 
In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Lao Tzu. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Have the courage to love and communicate, my friends. Carpe diem! 